Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, in the last three weeks, we've been journeying through the book of Habakkuk, and today we're coming to the end of that journey. We've been looking at the life of one of the minor prophets in the Bible, who lived about 600 years before Jesus, and um, this is kind of a unique guy, even among the prophets. You see, Habakkuk never spoke God's heart to the people. Instead, he was speaking to God about his problems that he found in his world. You see, Habakkuk, we find him in his story in the middle of a raging storm. Everything he knew to be true, all of his life, all of his hopes, all of his dreams came tumbling down in an instant because the Babylonian Empire, which is really a brutal and one of the most powerful empires of the world in that time specifically, were threatening to absolutely ruin and demolish the whole Israel nation, which was God's nation which was Habakkuk's nation. And his, everything that he knew would be gone in an instant. And according to history, we know this actually happened. Babylon came and they took the, the Judeans and all of the Israelites into a Babylonian exile that lasted for quite a few years. Now it's in this moment that Habakkuk starts speaking. And last, we kicked off with chapter one, where we find Habakkuk in a state of wondering where he's uncertain. He doesn't understand, God, why are you allowing this unjust nation to come and demolish, come and just clear out your plans and your dreams that you have for Israel? I thought you can, and I know you can. Why aren't you doing anything? And he's busy wrestling with God. But we saw that he doesn't give up. He's not unfaithful. He's not, not embracing. And the invitation that we said to one another is that wherever you might be wrestling, wherever you're in a place where you can relate, where your whole world is turned upside down, and I think during this year we can, we can quite, everybody can say, you know, uh, I didn't plan COVID and my whole world was turned upside down. Invite God into that moment. Don't wrestle against Him. Don't wrestle without Him, but wrestle with Him. Embrace Him through this wrestle. So that's Habakkuk chapter 1. And then the week after that, we dived into Habakkuk chapter 2, where we see him actively waiting. You know, whenever you're a Christian and you wait on God, it's an active wait. It's not a passive wait. It's not a sit and wait for something to happen. Maybe God's going to do something. No, no, no. It's an active wait. In fact, he picks up tablets and he starts writing down what God has to say about the situation. And in this moment, God gives Habakkuk a moment of perspective. In the midst of all the woes, in the midst of all the darkness, in the midst of all of this troubling things that he's seeing around him, God comes to him and says, well, I'm going to stay true to my word. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. What a promise. What a moment. And in that moment, Habakkuk kind of get a glimpse into the answer for the question that he has, whether God can be good when life is not. Now, today, we're going to spend a little bit more time in chapter 3. And you would think that a book that starts off on such a somber note would not necessarily end the way it ends in chapter 3. Because if chapter 1 is the wandering moment and chapter 2 is the waiting moment, chapter 3 is the worshipping moment. That's the moment where he ends off in exuberant praise and worship to his king because Habakkuk makes the wildest discovery. 
We're going to dive in and see what this discovery is. In fact, his discovery is not just something that leads him to an answer to his question, but it leads him to the answer for his question. So let's dive in. Let's see what this story is about. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 1 goes like this. It says, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shijanoth. Yes, you heard me right. I said Shijanoth. <laughs> Maybe you tried to say it's like in here in your, <clears throat> like Shijanoth, Shijanoth, like Shijanoth, kind of, kind of that idea. Now, this is a very strange word. Obviously, we don't really know. This is not a familiar word for us. And the reason is it's because it's the pronunciation of a Hebrew word that we find in Scripture. And you might wonder, what does Shijanoth mean? Well, I'll help you quickly. Shijanoth is plural for Shijan. Yes, you, you're absolutely correct. You heard me right again. It's the plural form of Shijan. Now, where do we get Shijan about? What's, what's this whole story about? Well, okay, let me dive in. This is a word that we find only twice in Scripture. Once in Habakkuk, in its plural form, Shijanoth, and then once in the Psalms. Shijin. And it's a word that describes a musical style. It's something that instructs the congregation or the people to take this beautiful poem, this beautiful piece of literature, and put it into melody and sing it in a specific way. Like we would sing songs, uh, this is a love song, and it has a specific love song style to it, or a hip-hop song, or, or a jazz flair song. So it's kind of instructing the congregation to, when you're going to read through this, when you're going to sing this moment, this prayer, you should shijanoth it. That's the plan. So are you ready to Shijanoth? Maybe if there's someone next to you, just tell them I'm ready to Shijanoth now. Okay? So we're going to Shijanoth this whole story and see what it means. So the picture behind Shijanoth, however, if you were wondering what the style is all about, it's described as this. So it's not a word that we know too much about, but what we do know about it is the following. It's a word that suggests when you sing, it's strong emotion. It's impassionate exuberance. It's wild, passionate singing and praise with rapid changes of rhythm, high-spirited praise, vigorous enthusiasm. It's not your whiny cry in a beer ballad kind of song. No. It is praise Jesus with punctuation, punctuation, punctuation. That's kind of the picture. So he's saying we're ending on the highest worship note possible. That's the invitation. Now, just that alone should probably get you into a place where you start asking questions. Why is, why is this happening? I mean, it doesn't make sense. I cannot see Habakkuk's circumstances changing. There's no silver lining at the end of the cloud for his life. I mean, Israel is going to take, be taken into exile. It's a given. Habakkuk will not see what his heart hopes to see. Why? Is he ending off in a moment of great praise? What gets him there? And what did he discover that lets him praise God like this? So first, what gets him there? I believe the thing that gets him there, and we can clearly see it in Scripture, is the road of remembrance. It's a moment where we see Habakkuk busy remembering. He's going back. And he's thinking upon and he's remembering something. Verse 3 says the following. He's remembering how God came from, Tim, from the desert of Taman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. 
His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of His praise. You know where He's going? Habakkuk is busy remembering the formation of the nation of Israel. He remembers Taman and Paran. Those are two places of refuge for the Israelites after God delivered them from the Egyptian oppression, Egyptian bondage. He's remembering the moment God made a way when there was no way. He opened up the sea and they walked through on dry land. He's remembering the powerful hand of the God that they serve. He's thinking of the bread coming down out of heaven, the food that God gave them, the water coming from a rock, the fire from heaven that protect them and showed that He is the Lord of all with Elijah, the cause of the sun standing still when God spoke it, the lion's mouth that was shut for Daniel. His three friends that was accompanied by an angel in the midst of a fire. The dead being raised, bones coming back into life. I wonder if someone needs to remember the great power of God. I wonder if you need to go back, if you found yourself in that space, because that's the road of remembrance leading him to a discovery, which we're going to touch on now. But I wonder if there is someone that needs to go and remember. And maybe you have never met God before. I can tell you that there are people who has. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You can read what they remember about the Son of God and the people that walked with Jesus on this planet. And maybe you can discover the same treasure that Habakkuk reveals in this story. You see, in his road of remembrance, he goes on. Verses 4 says the following. Just listen to how he describes the powerful God that he serves and that formed Israel and um, is, is in control of what is happening in this moment. He says, His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand. And there... He veiled His power. His power is so powerful. He veils it to, to protect those around Him. Before Him went pestilence and plague followed at His heels. Not even plagues or pestilence touches the King. He's too powerful. He's too great. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. You know, a few days or a few years ago, I had the privilege of going with a few guys to a farm and we went to go and visit a lion camp and it was quite a tremendous experience as a, as a man looking at a quite a big magnificent animal and even there when there is wire between you and this dangerous wild powerful animal on the other side even at that moment there was there was this instance where this powerful lion just turned his head and looked and gave a little growl. You know what happened? All of those tough guys, man, I'm the guy of the, you know, all those guys, the main mans, they all stood back and like, ooh, ooh, did you see that? Everybody's looking at one another, you know? He just gave us a gaze. And I'm talking about a lion, guys. Habakkuk remembers God. And he says, you know, when God looked, the nations shook. What power do you see? In that moment, 
He goes on to say, Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. Because His, His power, that, that was everlasting. His ways are everlasting. I wonder if you can remember the day that the mountains, those eternal mountains that looked like will never move, scattered before God when He reached out with His righteous right hand and touched your life. The road of remembrance leads you to the discovery that this man just discovered. So let's look at what that is. Because whatever it is, it is truly precious. And I want to read it with you. I want you to discover it for yourself as we read it. So it's Habakkuk, very famous piece of scripture. 3 verses 17 says the following. Though the fig leaves should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no fruit. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. What's Habakkuk busy doing? Well, he's busy saying, even if there is no silver lining, even if your circumstances doesn't change, even if everything seems like it's going to fail, he's busy gearing up. He's busy gearing up saying, you know what? It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter. Where you, it's not about where you are, but it's about, what is it about? Well, he says, even though it looks so dear, so, so, dull, so dull and you're in the middle of your storm and you don't know where it's going, he goes to verse 18. He says, yet I will rejoice in what? Where do I find my joy? I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. What is he discovering while he's wrestling with God? Not against him. He's wrestling with him and he's discovering it's not about where, but it's about who. Who are you with? It's in the who that leads you to the place of praise. You see, the one that he was wrestling with the whole time was the author of life itself. And if you have life, what more do you need? He made a great discovery. And his discovery is the only reason that we get to praise God. is not because of where we are or what he gives us or how he turns our circumstances around, but because of who he is. He is enough. He is enough reason to praise you know, there's a story being told about a group of missionaries that went over to a country where you get persecuted for believing in Jesus. And they boldly went to go and proclaim the gospel, the good news. They got boldly go, went to go and speak about Jesus there. And it so happened that while they were busy on their missionary journey, they got captured in that journey. And um, they were enduring really tough times. Locked up, haven't had food for quite a few days and terrible circumstances. For almost two years, they were staying in this situation and being held captive, being abused, suffering. And the only thing that got them through that moment was their faith. Because miraculously, after those two years, they got released and saved and they went back home. 
to a first world country where they had the freedom to share and to live out their faith and tell people about Jesus. And do you know what? Something strange happened because they made a discovery that so many people didn't understand. You see, after a while, they started calling one another up and started phoning one another and they started speaking about how they miss those, those days of suffering, those days when they were held captive for their faith. It just doesn't make logical sense. Why would people start going back to those moments of suffering? I believe it's because of this. It's because of what the back has discovered. You see, we enjoy God when we're on our mountaintop moments and we celebrate what He's done in our lives. But you know what? We get to know Him in our valleys. We get to know Him in an intimate way. We get to know who He is, not just what He's done. You get intimately interwoven. You know, when you suffer for Jesus, you always suffer with Jesus. And you discover an intimacy with Him. My prayer is, and this is where I'd like to end, that you would wrestle with God, embracing Him, and that you would make the same discovery as Habakkuk did and so many men and women discovered throughout the ages, thinking of a Job, guys that really wrestled with God about injustice in their lives and their circumstances. And in the end, they discovered that it's not their circumstances, but God himself that gives them life and a reason to celebrate. Let's pray. Father, I want to come and pray for people who need to remember your powerful hand in their life. Need to be reminded, God, of your goodness so that they would walk the road of remembrance and discover that you are enough. You are all they need. That they would say like Paul says, I count everything as a loss in comparison to knowing Jesus because he is the beacon of light in the middle of my storm. It's him. He is my hope. And God, I want to come and pray. Maybe you are tonight or this morning as you're watching this, wherever you might be, you're asking the question, the same question Habakkuk is. Life is so rough. Is there even a God? My answer would be yes. And the second question would probably be, is he good? And my answer would be an overwhelmingly yes. Look at what he gave up so that he can be with you, Jesus on the cross. If that is you, I'd like to pray for you as well. Father, I come and pray for people that might be in a place where they're looking and longing for you. And if that's you, I'd like to ask you to say, Jesus, I want to invite you into my life. I want to submit to you as the Lord of my life. And I trust that your work on the cross is enough for my life. In Jesus' name we pray all of this. And we all say, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.